Well, welcome to Northridge. Glad you're here today. Um, for those of you here for the very first time, I got to meet a couple of you already, and so that was awesome. Uh, but we want you to know that this is a safe place for you. It is a safe place for you to dig in and ask the real questions, honest questions about who God is, who Jesus is, what the Bible really means, and what it means for our life. We want you to know that this is a safe place for you to do that. Even if you're not sure if you believe, that's okay. All we ask is that you're open to what God, what Jesus wants to do in your life. Well, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, I was in my house and I went upstairs to the kids' bathroom and I went there to uh, check on the water faucet thing because, I, to be honest, I can't remember exactly what the problem was, what the, what the issue was. It was leaking or it wasn't you know, shutting off fully or something. I don't know what it was, but I went up there to check on it. And those of you who know me, I've already joked about how, what my mechanical prowess is. There is none. Um, and so I went up there only, I did, was not intending to fix it because I knew that was just dumb because uh, I wasn't going to be able to, but I did need to diagnose the problem to see if maybe I could go to the store, get a couple parts and maybe tackle this myself, or if we need to call in an expert plumber, right? And, uh, and so I went up there to diagnose, I pulled the first cap off and then I was looking, I didn't see any issues, I didn't see any problems. And so I went to go for the apparatus that connects to the pipe in the wall, right? And I, and I just looked at that and I was like, you know, maybe it's just gotten loose. Maybe, maybe there's an issue. I didn't have any tools yet. I haven't pulled any tools in yet. And so I just kind of grab it with my hand and I guess kind of jiggle it like that to see like if it got, has gotten loose, maybe it needs to be tightened a little bit, maybe the threads inside, I don't know, whatever the case is. Well, apparently something was wrong because as soon as I touched it, I didn't even really turn anything or crank anything. And all of a sudden the whole thing blew off across the tub and all of a sudden the pipe is shooting out scalding hot water everywhere. I mean, if you can imagine, there's no control on that pipe at all. It's just... And so, you know, I quickly grab the shower curtain, I pull it over, and I'm holding it because it's not like a shower, right? The shower's like, ah, oh, it's nice, it's wonderful. This is like... I'm actually make a pretty good exploding pipe. That's, that's pretty good. I've never done that before. That's my first time, right? I'm a newbie at that. But anyway, I mean, that's what it was doing. It's just blowing water everywhere. And so I hold the curtain and it's scalding hot. So I kind of have to hold it from the back because otherwise my hands are going to get burned. And I do the only thing that I can do. I holler at my wife. <laughs> and I'm like, Laura, come here. And she runs in and she's like, what's going on? I was like, don't worry about it. Just go downstairs into the basement. You need to turn off the water main valve. I tried to explain where that's at. And she's like, okay. And so she runs downstairs and she's gone for what I think is five minutes. It wasn't. It was a few seconds, literally maybe 30 seconds, but it felt like forever because I'm standing there like, turn it off, turn it off. And so, and then all of a sudden I'm like, what is she doing? And then she runs back into the bathroom and said, I did it. I turned it off. I was like, no, you didn't. It's still exploding. <laughs> oh. and, and so I'm like, okay, you hold the curtain. So we kind of did the quick switch thing. Okay, you hold it, but be careful. The water's hot thing. And she's like, okay. And I run downstairs and I turn off the water to the whole house to, and just to stop this thing from blowing all over the place and flooding our house. And I turn it off and I go up. And it was at that point that I called the plumber. <laughs> because clearly this is not good. 
And, and what, what was funny is that this is just a side note, not really critical to the story, but later on, the next morning, I, we got the thing fixed. We got the plumber there. He came in, fixed the pipe, got everything put back on. We're all good. And so everything is good. Well, I forgot about the fact that Laura had turned off another valve in our house. Yeah. Well, the next morning we discovered which one that was. We had no hot water. You know what she turned off? She turned off the gas line <laughs> that feeds her water heater. And so uh, the next morning I was like, there's no hot water. And then I'm sitting there. I'm going, what is the? Oh, right. I know. It takes me a while, right? And so I'm like, okay. So I go down there. We get it on. Pilot lights back. Okay, we're good. We're going to have hot water for the next day, right? But I tell that story to say that everything in that story was inadequate, I was inadequate to fix the problem. I did not have the strength, the know-how, or the, the anything that I needed to to fix this problem. I just didn't have it. Laura did not have the wherewithal and the knowledge to be able to turn off the water in our house. Now, I, what I realized, by the way, men, just so you know, that falls back on me too anyway, though. It's not her fault. I should have actually prepped that long before we ever had an issue. Like, this is where it is, and if, we, if this ever happens, then you can do this. So that was on me also. So I was inadequate in two ways. The pipe was inadequate to hold up to the pressure when I jiggled that, that apparatus. It just literally blew off. All of this, it was just inadequate. The foundation, the strength was not there. Well, today, I want to talk about our foundation. We're in the series that we started last week called Under the Surface. And what we're talking about is things that we can't necessarily see and understand all the time, but something that is absolutely there is real and it's critical to you and I to understanding what our strength and where our foundation lies. And so we're going to talk about this. And, and as I told you last week, a lot of these ideas and thoughts and everything are coming from this book called Soul Keeping by John Ortberg. So if you're curious about this topic and you like some of the stuff that we're getting into and you're just curious about maybe digging a little bit deeper than I am able to go on a Sunday, then check this book out. It's very good. Soul Keeping by John Ortberg is where we're getting a lot of this stuff. But last week, we kind of defined it, and so we're going to talk about that in a minute. But I want to give you the principle, the overriding truth that I hope of anything that you pick up today, I hope that you walk out of here with this, and, and I hope you believe it, and I hope you change your life because of it, and I hope that everything is different because of this that I'm about to tell you. Out of this whole message, I hope that this rocks your world, and then it changes how you live. And that is this. The most important thing is not what you do, it's who you become. The most important thing in your life is not what you do, it's who you become. It's who you are. It's who God made you to be and how you're allowing him to make you. So last week we did define the soul. We talked about what it is because a lot of people have heard of the soul. We have movies and music. We talked about that, about the soul. But when it comes down to it, if I said, hey, I want you to come up here and define for our church what the soul is. If I just picked one of you okay, or a few of you and said, hey, come up here and just tell me what is the soul, we'd have a hard time describing it, wouldn't we? It'd just be difficult because we're like, I know, I've heard of a soul. I think it exists. Maybe. I don't know. It's, is it inside you? Is it around? Like ethereal? 
It would be hard to describe it, but we define what a soul is. And how we did that is we talked about what Jesus said when he was asked this question, what's the most important thing to know? What's the most important commandment? And this is what he says, Mark chapter 12, verse 30. Remember what his answer is. He says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Remember that? We talked about that last week. And we talked about the fact that God is talking about, Jesus is talking about everything that is within us. And how the book describes it, and I love how they describe it, is we, we have like these four circles. And I have a picture of the four circles that we have. Let's go ahead and throw that up there. Okay, we ha- everybody has a will. Okay, this is our desires. These are our intentions. This is what you want to do in life. Good, bad, ugly, or otherwise, whether it's really attached to God or not, this is your will. Some people would call this your heart. Okay, when you, somebody, you say somebody's heart is in it, that means they want to do it. It's their desire, it's their passion. It's what they're all about. Okay, we, each one of us has a will or our heart. And then we all have a mind, and that connects to the will. The will, the intentions are here. That, that kind of shows us what we want to do, but then that's carried out logistically and, 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 and rationally in our mind. That's how we work things out of how this is going to go. And then that leads to how do we take action on it? Well, we need a body. The body is how we literally physically take action on what our will wants to do. Our mind has worked it out. Now it tells the body where to go and how to get this done. But then the piece that we miss is the all-encompassing piece. It's the piece that makes us who we are. It's the piece that integrates everything together with us. It's the one that ties it all together. It's the glue that brings us all together. And that is the soul, the foundation, the strength within us and around us and a part of us that integrates everything together. And we talked about that. Now, here's the problem. And I want to talk about a little bit about the problem here today. If it's true that the most important thing about each one of us is not what we do, but it's who we become, then the soul is the biggest part of that. Because as I mentioned last week, the soul is who you really are. It's your real life, not how somebody else sees you. It's not how even you see you, because we see a a skewed view of ourselves. It's how God sees you. It's the person that you really are when nobody else is around. It's you who you are in your thoughts and what you really want to do in your intentions. Your soul informs and affects and influences all of that. But here, let me give you the problem that we've come face to face with in our world today. And it's a quote from the book. And it's so right on target, it just couldn't be more of a bullseye. This is what he writes in the book. He says, our world has replaced the word soul with the word self. And they are not the same thing. The more we focus on ourselves, the more we reject our souls. Now that may seem counterintuitive because we all say, well, you need to focus on yourself. You need to get yourself better, right? And I'm not saying that that's horrible or wrong, but I am saying that that is wrong. If we, when in that, we mean that our self, that our strength, that your will, that your plans, that your ideas, man, Jackie's devotions like couldn't have been more connected to what we're talking about today. That's unbelievable. Trust in the Lord 
Stop trusting in your own plans. Did you hear what she read? I was just like, blown away. What happens is we have an outer world that everybody knows and everybody sees. It's the one that you guys see of me. It's the one I see of you. We have an outer world. It's our relationships and our jobs and finances and money and possessions and, and, and all the things that is in the outside world, all the external stuff that we deal with, school and work and paychecks and cars and roads and weather. How many of you love the weather right now? Woo! Right? It's all the external stuff, everything that's around us. And then there's this inner world, the soul part of us, the real part of us that drives everything. And the problem is that there's a battle between our inner world and our outer world. Did you know that? That there is a battle, there's a war between the outer world. The outer world wants to change us and move us and affect us in a bad way. And the inner world struggles against that. In fact, Jesus talks about this. Going back to the book of Mark in chapter 7, in the context here, Jesus is uh, with his disciples. And there's some religious teachers. So there's like priests and pastors and people that like lead the synagogue and lead the churches and all that kind of stuff. And, and so they know how to follow God. They have their traditions and their ceremonies and they do this thing and they wash their hands just right and they do all this stuff. And they ask Jesus a question. They say, Jesus, why don't your disciples, why don't the people who follow you do all these ceremonial, traditional things that we all know that's how you get in good with God? The religious teachers call Jesus out and they say, Jesus, so you guys are supposed to be these great followers of God and yet you don't do these traditions. That's what they're saying. They're calling him out. And then Jesus, what he does, they called the wrong guy, by the way. <laughs> when you want to mess with somebody, don't mess with Jesus. <laughs> so they mess with the wrong guy and Jesus spends the next several paragraphs, the next several sentences in God's word there in Mark chapter 7, explaining to the religious teachers, basically the gist is, you can look really good on the outside, but the inside can be all messed up. It's not a comfortable thought, is it? Jesus calls them out and he says, you look so good because you're doing all your ceremonial hand washing and you're going through the motions and you're doing all the traditions and what hundreds of years of history tells you you're supposed to do. And he says, but on the inside is what's messed up. Your souls are not right. And listen to what he says in Mark 7, 15. Jesus, these are Jesus' words. He says to them, he says, nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Again, he's not talking about poison or food or something like that. He's talking about spiritual things. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. We don't like that. I know you don't like that. I know you're not reading that and going, I'm framing that. I'm putting it on my, house, on my wall. Like that's going by the front door. Love it. Man, that fills my heart. I just feel better about life, right? Jesus just said what comes out of us is what defiles us. That's not encouraging. I get that, but it's true. 
And what Jesus is really saying is, he's saying that what is on the outside, here, here's what we do. Hey, let's just dig into this for just a minute. See, what we as humans do, we tend to get it backwards of what really is going on. We tend, to, we tend to reverse what is really happening, what the truth is. And the truth is, what we do is we look to the outside external stuff to make us happy. Don't we? We do. You can nod your head and say, yeah, we do, we do. I know you do, I do too, right? It's why when it's winter in Wisconsin, why, what is the overriding conversation? Oh, it's so cold. Why do we live here? This is ridiculous. You know why? Because we don't like the cold. The external's like, oh, just ridiculous. I have to put on my coat again and my gloves and my hat. Right? We seek the outside external stuff around our life to make us happy. A guy. I'm looking for the guy. I'm looking for the gal. I'm looking for my soulmate. What does that even mean, by the way? Really? I'm, I'm looking for that next job. You know what? If I got, I just got another job. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we look outside ourselves, and if things outside are not going well, then we're not doing well. That's opposite. That's reverse of what it actually should be and what it needs to be and what it really is. If you aren't feeling right, if you're not doing well, if, if things are wrong, if things are off, do you know where that comes from? That didn't come from outside of you. You know where that's coming from? It looks like it's coming at you from here. Guess what? It's not. It's coming from your soul. We all know this is true. We all know this is true. It's why somebody can be in a horrible situation and yet have joy. Have you ever seen that? Where they trust and they just understand, they're like, you know what? This is going to turn out better. This is, I'm, I'm okay. Because what God is saying, what Jesus is saying is the outside world does not affect and impact the inside world. It's the other way around. And the question is, how is your soul doing? We add, well, here's what we do. We add responsibility. We add relationships. Oh, I'm going to date him. Oh, I'm going to go there. I'm going to marry this person. I'm going to do that. Oh, I'm going to take this job. Oh, I got a bonus this week. Right? And, and we add responsibility. We add relationships and we add possessions. Okay? How, how many of you, let me just illustrate this. This is true. How many of you have ever, you don't have to raise your hand, but just think about this. Have you ever bought like a boat or bought a, you know, a, a technology thing? For me, it'd be technology stuff. I love technology stuff. Like that's my toy. You know, a lot of guys like buy a truck. I like buy, I'm a geek nerd, right? And so I buy like some gadget that I'm like, wow, I can just talk to it and it does it. It's awesome. Like, I love the Google Assistant, you know? Like, Google, turn off the lights. Yes. I have power over something. <laughs> Pretty much nothing else. My kids, no. Wife, no. Nothing else. But the lights, I can turn the lights off. I am a man's man. <laughs> right? But how many of you have purchased something, bought something, and then it started to consume you and you had to use it like all the time, like every weekend or every day because you wanted to eke out all the money that you spent on that thing? Instead of you owning it, it owns you. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? We all know. 
Because we do that. And what happens is we add and add and add things to our life. But what we don't do is we never invest in the one thing that's going to hold it all up and give us the strength that we need to survive and to thrive in this life. And that is your soul. When was the last time you invested in your soul? When was the last time you really spent time and money and energy and effort to invest into your soul and to the spiritual well-being of your life? Let me illustrate this. Um, as a kid, I was read this book. Anybody else know this book? Okay, I'm a weird one. That's okay. I'm good with that. All right, this, this book is called C is for Clown. <laughs> and it's and it's obviously it was written by uh, the Berenstains, so it's the same ones that wrote the Berenstain Bears, same kind of series, and so you can kind of see it looks like the same art that they do with the Berenstain Bears, and so it's called C is for Clown. But the, the book is very simple. It's all about Clarence Clown. Yeah, everything starts with C, right? You get that. And so it's Clarence Clown, and and there's this circus, and there's this ringmaster, and he said, "Can Clarence Clown?" carry, and then they start adding things, cats with canes and collies with clubs and cows with cakes and candles. I mean, literally, you go through this, and, and there's just tons of stuff in there. And they go through the book, Can Clarence Clown Carry? And then they add, and they add, and they add, and before long, he's standing underneath all these things like this, this clown, right? And he's holding them up with his two hands. And then they get to the end, and I have a picture of this book, and I, I actually took it. I mean, this is literally the book from my childhood. You can tell it is nasty. And see this? I'm sure this is my little brother that did that. I'm sure it wasn't me. He drew all over it. Okay? But, I mean, at the very end, I mean, we get to all these things, and the cows are on top. And then it says this final thing, Caroline Catfish. You get all this stuff, and then go to the next page. Then there's Caroline Catfish that jumps on top. Oh, yeah. That's going to be awesome. But that doesn't crush him. It doesn't. He's good. They go on and can Clarence Clown carry blah, 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 right? All this stuff. And then Clara Canary comes in. And you know what happens when Clara Canary lands on Caroline Catfish? It wasn't that, that Clara Canary was too heavy. It was that, what, everything else. And this is what happens on the next page. Crash. And then the last pages of the book says this. <laughs> no, Clarence Clown can't. He can't. He can't hold it up. That is a silly kid's book, but I think, oh, so true for each one of our lives. If you were going to be honest, don't you feel like Clarence Clown a little bit? Honestly. My guess is you're not holding up cats with canes and collies with clubs and cows with cakes and candles. But my guess is, well, let me just ask you. Do you feel the weight of the outside world that presses in on you sometimes? Are any of you sitting here feeling the weight of the world on your heart and on your shoulders? How many of you are here and you feel the weight of somebody's expectations of you? I expect you to be this. I expect you to do this. I expect you to achieve this. 
How many of you are feeling the weight of somebody's expectations or lots of people's expectations? How many of you are feeling the weight of the finances in your life? Some of you, maybe you're the man in the family and you feel like your job, your whole existence is to provide and you feel the weight of that. How many of you in here are single parents and you're just doing everything you can to just survive and so you feel the weight of providing that next meal for your kids? How many of you feel the weight of giving your children the best experiences in life? How many of you feel like you need to keep up with everybody else's vacations? I know you look at them and then you go, oh, look, every single one of their children are smiling. You know what happened behind that, right? You will smile or else we're not having ice cream (laughs) because Facebook has to look right and we're having fun. So smile. Good job. Okay, let's go have some ice cream. I'm not saying I've ever done that. More than a few times. And we keep ourselves up for the appearances and we make our house and we make our trucks and our, and our boats and, and our face and our clothes and our thing and this is our kids are going to act and they're going to do this and they're going to get this on the test and they're going to do these things. And I'm just asking you, do you feel the weight? Do you feel the weight? I bet you do. I do. Let me just tell you, that I think we feel like Clarence Clown more often than we honestly would admit. We feel like we're just juggling and holding up and I just want to be done. And let me just tell you where that is, why that is. Can I tell you why that is? It's because we're spending so much time investing in outer world things and expecting the inner world, which is not growing, to support it. That's what we're doing. We're adding weight on the outside world, and the inside world's not growing because we're not spending any time or investment in there, and so it can't support the weight. And so here we are, what this, all these problems are, when you, if you feel like Clarence Clown, the truth is it's because of the lack or the ache of your soul that's crying out and saying, I need sustenance, I need food, I need the thing that I've made for. Do you know what your soul was made for? It's made for God. It's the only thing that can fill it. Did, let, let me just put it this way. You know how much you need oxygen, right? Within a minute, if, I, if we took away oxygen, you're done in a minute, right? A little bit less, a little bit more for some of us. But you're done in a minute. Without food, it's days. Without water, it's less days. We have to have those things to survive. Can I tell you something? Your soul, in order to survive and to thrive, has to have God. That's why the Bible says, without Jesus, they are walking dead people. It's literally what it says in there. It says you're the walking dead Sometime we're going to do a series on like the TV series and we're going to, we'll do that. 
right? But that's what the Bible says. Without Jesus, you are the walking dead. Your soul cannot live without God because it was made by God, it was made for God, and it was made to need God. We're going to dig into that one over the next few weeks, the need of our soul. We're going to talk about what your soul needs. Oh, I hope you're ready for that. I hope I'm ready for that. We need God's strength. In Exodus chapter 15, verse 2, Moses and the Israelites are singing a song. And there's one line in there that I want you to hear. This is what they say. They say, the Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. You know when they sang that? You know when they did that? That was literally right after God miraculously parted the big, the big part of the water so that they could escape the Egyptian army. They got through on dry land and then God brought the water back to wash away the Egyptian army so that the Israelites would be saved. This is right after that, right after. And they sing this song because what they realize, I want us to understand what they're saying here. What they're saying is, God, there is nothing that we could have done to save ourselves from the Egyptians. There is nothing that we could have done to part that water. There's nothing that we could have done to drive the land underneath so that we didn't sink into the mud. There's nothing that we could have done in order to get to the other side of that water without the Egyptian army killing every one of us. There's no way that our strength was enough. And so our strength lies in the Lord. Our salvation lies in the Lord. He is our defense, not me. I can get all the weapons I want. It's not going to help when it comes to God and spiritual things. <clears throat> the truth is, we have a weight. The world is pressing in on us all the time because, you know why? Because the world wants our soul. You understand that? You know why? Because the world can make money off of it. Because the world can steal what you have, and give it to themselves. So the world wants your soul. It presses in on you, and it, and it sends this weight so that we just capitulate, we just give in. How many of you have seen um, that trick or that, that uh, illustration where you take rubber bands and you put them around a watermelon again and again in the watermelon, right? And, and, and uh, I've seen several videos of this. In fact, I found one. It was done by the slow-mo guys. And they take slow-mo, like high-quality slow-mo video of all kinds of stuff. And, uh, and they did this with a watermelon. They're like, we should do this. And so they, they just slowly, they literally spent, I don't know, a long time putting rubber bands around this huge watermelon until the point that, you know, it does what it does. You guys, you guys want to see it? Yeah, I do too. <laughs> I love this. So I just cut just tiny little snippets of this so you just, just get the gist of what they did. This is the slow-mo guys doing this with the rubber bands around the watermelon. Take a look.
that good? I watched that several times just so I could see like the rubber band ball. And then I go back and watch the guy's face. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. Slow-mo is fantastic. But I show you that to tell you this. <clears throat> that is what will happen and is happening to your soul if you're not investing in it. You're being crushed. Now, a lot of people, maybe they think, well, my life hasn't fallen apart yet completely. And, and so I don't think the watermelon has been crushed. And that, that may or may not be true. But what I, and I've joked about this, and I've also said this very seriously, a lot of times when the watermelon gets crushed, that's usually when I get a call. What they've done is they've invested themselves into the world. They've chased after money. They've chased after sex. They've chased after pleasure. They've chased after fantasy. They've chased after the right one, the guy, the gal. They've chased after that job. They've chased after sin. They've chased after alcohol. They've chased after whatever the case is. And then all of a sudden the watermelon explodes. Something happens and it all falls apart. And a lot of times that's when I get the call. And trust me, when I tell you that one of the reasons I'm here is to pick up watermelon pieces. And I'm okay with that. But I'm tired of doing it. And I'm not saying because I'm just tired of doing that. I'm saying I'm tired because it hurts me to see people whose souls are continually, they come to church even every week, and they don't realize that all that God wants to do is to give you peace and joy and strength in this life. And he says, why are you doing this? Why are you killing yourself? Why are you doing this? God doesn't want you to be crushed. but he does need you to give up what you think is right in your life and start listening to him. I promise you, when you get further down the road, the watermelon will explode and you will need something that is stronger than you. I promise you, I just know that because I know what God's word says. And the watermelon, may, it may not come in the form of a watermelon exploding. It may, may not be something horribly bad that happens, but it might come in the form of unbelievable stress that makes you have a breakdown. It might come in the form of, well, let me just, let me just say this. Are you angry most of the time? Are you sad most of the time? I don't mean like every now and then. There are times that I get angry, there are times that I'm sad and that there's a season for everything. The Bible says that too. But I'm asking, are you generally just angry? Are you generally just sad and depressed? Are you generally, let me ask you this. This might be one for some of us in here. Are you bitter? Are you bitter most of the time? Really? Now I'm asking, when you look at Facebook posts, does it drive you insane and you kind of hate them a little bit? You wouldn't say that out loud. I know that. You'd be like, oh, did you see that? I hate that. I hate her. I hate him. We're not going to say that. That sounds so terrible. But in our heart and in our mind, deep down, like we actually look at that and we go, oh, I hate that. They're always smiling. Oh, they have such a good life. Do you hate that about other people? When somebody at work gets a raise and you don't, or gets the bonus and they, they outsold you or something like that. Do, do you just hate that? Are you bitter? 
me just tell you that's a soul problem. That's not, that's not your boss's fault. You will say so. They didn't know. They didn't see all the things I did over there in February and January and this time and all that. You're going to shout out to the outer world, but let me just tell you, your discontentment comes from your soul. Let me tell you where your contentment can come from. Your soul. The Apostle Paul wraps this up really nicely in Ephesians chapter 6. It's a, it's a passage that some of you know very well. It's a passage that some of you are going to hear for the first time. Let me just read it. This is what he says. He writes, a final word. Now, when, just so you know, when he says a final word, that means like this is really important, right? This is like, okay, I've said a lot of good stuff in this whole book, but this is the final word. So listen to what he says. He says, be strong in the Lord, not in your own strength, not in yourself. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on on, uh, all of God's armor so you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. We've done a whole series on the spiritual realm. Right? So I don't, I'm not going to dig into that, but that's what it's talking about. Therefore, now again, I have to stop there. When you see the word therefore, whenever you're reading the Bible, I want you to just, this should like, bing, light bulb hits. Okay? Whenever you see the word therefore, what it is doing, it is, it, it, it's connecting the idea that has just been said to the idea that is about to be said. Okay, so it's a bridge word is what it is. It's a bridge word. And so it's saying what Paul is saying is we are at war. So, or in other words, he uses the word, therefore, this is what you need to do. We're at war. Therefore, you need to do this. Does that make sense? He bridges these two things. Okay, and so then he goes into it. This is what he says. He says, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And then he's going to tell us what the armor is. What is God's armor? We know what armor is, but what is God's armor? Then after the battle, you'll be standing, still be standing firm. And then he says, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor or the breastplate of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fire arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So I want you to understand, he uses physical imagery, but he's talking about spiritual soul-centered things. Did you notice that? The Apostle Paul is not saying, this would be really awkward if your pastor did this, or if any of us did this. I walk into work having a helmet on, and shield, and shoes. I'm like, I'm putting on God's armor. That would be awkward. I look like a medieval knight. I'm like, I'm ready to do battle. God says we are at war. And so I'm ready. You need to sit down, <laughs> right? I mean, that would be just weird. We're not talking about physical things. We're talking about soul stuff. When he's talking about truth, he's talking about integrity. Being genuine in who you really are and living it outside. When he's talking about righteousness, he's talking about the right living in the world, the right living according to God, not according to us, but according to God. When he talks about the good news and he talks about salvation, he's talking about Jesus and what he did on the cross. 
He says that's, that's how we achieve, that's how we find good news, that's the good news of the gospel. That is the salvation that you can have. When it talks about the shoes of peace, it's talking about the peace that only God can give you. And when it talks about the sword of the Spirit, it's talking about this. I want you to just think for a second. Have you opened this on your phone or physically one of these in paper form? You remember this? This is how we used to do things. It's called paper. (laughs) I want you to think, have you opened this outside of maybe Sunday morning? And a lot of us don't even open it on Sunday morning because it's on the screen. Have you opened this since the first of the year? Have you? I just, I just want you to answer that question in your head. Have you opened this since January 1st? If you haven't, you haven't even come close to putting on God's armor. You've missed it. You're, you're at risk. I'm just telling you, Sunday morning, not enough. Not even, it's not even, it's not even the realm of enough. It's not even on the radar of enough. I, I can't tell you how much it's not enough. Did you catch it? It's not enough. (laughs) When was the last time you were in this? Seriously. That you invested into your soul with the truth of the word of God for your life. This should be daily. Every day. Lots of time, little time, whatever. It needs to be daily. If you're not, you need to. You need to invest in your soul. I want to wrap up with a story. A couple of weeks ago, maybe it was this last week, I can't remember, but it was recently, I was working in my office. And, uh, and my office, obviously you guys know, we don't have a building, right? <laughs> That's why we're in a village center. And so my office is in my house. And, and so I'm working and I, and I have the doors closed but it can only block out so much <laughs> uh, noise and everything else that's going on. And so I had the doors closed, but I'm listening. And, and as, I'm, as I'm thinking through and I'm kind of praying through some things uh, for, for, that, for the, the sermon and, and some other things that I just need to wrestle with God about, I'm sitting there and I'm kind of going through some stuff. And, and I'm actually typing some things on the computer as I'm, as I'm having thoughts and ideas. And, uh, and then all of a sudden I hear my mother and my five-year-old Tanner, my five-year-old son, sit down at the piano. And a couple minutes later, I hear my mother say to, to Tanner, his grandma say, now Tanner, uh, he, you know, he's just, he's five. <laughs> so, you know, take it for five-year-old. And, and she says, Tanner, I want you to play a scale. You know, do, 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 do. I missed one in there, but anyway, you get it, right? And you just up and down, right? It's a normal scale, music theory 101. And just do, 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 and she says, okay, this, and she shows him, she shows him how to do it, and she plays it flawlessly, of course, because she's, she's just amazing at that. She plays the scale, plays it down. Then she says, Tanner, I want you to do it, I'm going to help you see where to put your finger. Right? And then so they do it, and she, he did, 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 and all the way back down. All the way to the top, and all the way back down. Does it a couple times. And then I hear my mom say this. She says, okay, Tanner, I want you to play the scale 
And I'm not going to tell you where to stop at the top, and I want you to come back down. And I think if you just listen carefully enough, you'll be able to tell what to do. You'll know where to stop. You'll know what to play. And you'll know, you'll know how to do the scale. But just listen, she says. And my five-year-old just plays it. No, not perfectly. <laughs> it, was, it was about like I did it uh, just a second ago. But he plays it. And he stops at the top. He listens. And then he comes back down. He plays the final note. And my mom says, see, Tanner, that was great. You did it on your own. You did that. You listened. The reason I say that is this. I wish I had a chair so I could just sit down because I feel like this is a living room conversation moment. <laughs> I really do for you. I hope that when you leave here, if you have not invested in your soul right properly this week or ever, I hope that God doesn't let you sleep. I'm going to pray for that for you. I'm sorry in advance. I'm going to pray that God keeps you up at night. I'm, I pray that God will do whatever he needs to do to show you if you've been stretching rubber bands and looking for your happiness and your joy to the outside world, that your soul is being crushed, it's dying. And that every, everything you need, the answer to everything you need is in God. That your soul is crying out for God. And I hope that when you leave here today, that you understand that there's nothing more important in this world, in this life. Nothing, nothing is more important. I mean, your spouse, your wife, your children, your own, whatever you can put into that blank, nothing is more important than whether or not your soul is surrendered and given over and completely open to what God needs to fill it with. Nothing is more important. You will not find happiness and joy and peace and contentment in this life without filling the soul with the only thing that it can be filled with, and that is God. It's because it was made that way. I hope you hear that. I hope you understand that God loves you more than you could ever even come up with. More than I can say in words. But the only way he can show that to you is if you allow your soul to be open to what he wants to pour in there. And then allow that to change how you view the outer world. And we won't have to support the weight our soul will. God loves you. He always has. Now will you trust him? Will you give your soul to him? I'm not going to spend a long time on that. If you have never given your life to Jesus, that's the first step. 
You literally cannot bridge your soul to God unless you have Jesus. That's why he died on the cross for you. Because he can't be in the presence of sin, so he cannot be in your soul if you allow sin to rule your life. So if you want to give your life to Jesus, do that. I'm not going to pray the prayer. I'm not going to walk you through it today. Just give your life to Jesus. Say, tell Jesus whatever you need to. He'll help you. And then just let us know that you did it. And we'll see if you have any questions. It's important. We actually keep track of who gives their life to Christ because we know that that changes their eternity. Did you know that? Your life, you giving your life to Christ is what changes your destination after this planet. And so we track that. We keep track of that because it's important. So let us know. But my hope is that your soul, you do something to change how you invest in your life and you'll see great things. Let's pray.